Hello and welcome to Season 3 of the E3 Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Mottram. This podcast is all about building science, healthy homes, architecture, and female entrepreneurship. So prepare to get nerdy. So welcome back to the podcast. I'm really excited. Matt is back on again to talk about last year's house and what they're going to do different in Taylorville, Illinois for the next round. Um, hopefully he's going to talk about what was hard and what was easy and what was a terrible idea. Um, cause that's how we all learn and grow. And it's really exciting that he's thinking about doing these high performance houses with his high school students. So Matt, welcome back. Tell us what you've been up to since we talked to you last, uh, end of the school year, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Glad to be back. I, I, was, I saw a open planner on my desk uh, from when we did this the first time, and I think it was like the week before they shut everything down on us, so it's been that long ago, but um, yeah, we've gotten to meet up on a couple things, uh, the wall assembly and everything, so I've been in touch with everybody, so it's been fun. Uh, yeah, it's been a busy, weird year, obviously, for everybody, especially for teachers and uh, especially for me trying to finish a house. I was very fortunate the school had to stay hybrid the entire year. So even though we were technically a remote for half the year, I was still allowed to have students. Um, it was different. Um, when we had students, pro progress was good, but it, it was sporadic and stuff. So what we were hoping to do in like a year, year and a half is um, definitely taking us, well, come August, it'll be officially two years from when we started a house. So uh, we were pretty much down to, well, you can see behind me, wiring up uh, under cabinet lighting, uh, some outlet covers, uh, hooking up the sinks on the inside, and spraying the garage. And the inside is pretty much done. Uh, outside, we're waiting, we're actually waiting for our sewer line to get tapped so we can get the yard straightened out. But uh, we'll, we'll get the grass seed in the ground. The new homeowners, are, they're going to have to keep it growing now. So we'll, we'll get them started. But yeah, it's, uh, Turned out pretty good. I mean, pretty good house, right? It's so uh, uh, I'll do one more final blower door test and we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that too and stuff. But uh, um, the second blower door test we did. So the first one we did, we were at uh, right around the 0.6 range uh, with Jake and Travis when they came over. And that was pretty much the envelope with windows, doors, and we had the bathroom vents in. Um, then after that, we drilled a whole bunch of holes in it for everything else that goes in and through your walls and your air barrier and stuff. Um, and then, uh, one of my former students, a couple of my former students came back by and we did a second blower door test this year and went hunting for everything through the attic and we kept it still below one. We we're 0.9 something. So I was pretty happy with that. And then we'll do one more to make sure we got everything in the crawl space sealed up since the crawl space is part of part of the um, inside of the house, as uh, Steve would say, uh, it's um, encapsulated, conditioned and all that good stuff. So uh, we'll do one more and tweak the outside doors, make sure they're sealing right. And I'm hoping to see that number stay below one. That's, uh, that's the goal. So that's, that's exciting kind of that you at. can do. Uh, the, I think the the current most stringent version of the energy code is still three. Maybe 2021 is one. I can't remember. But so if you think of it that way, your your high school students and you got like 
two thirds better than the most stringent code out there right now. So that's really impressive for what you're trying to do. And, and we talk about it a lot on, uh, on all of the different building science things, but air infiltration is one of the easiest and most cost-effective things that you can do. So in your climate zone, um, where maybe you don't have to go to, to the crazy levels of insulation that we do up here in the Northeast. I mean, you couldn't have made a better, uh, decision than to, to aim for, for that low infiltration rate. So, so kudos to you guys and your students for, for doing that, even if it took longer, do you feel like all you did all day long was repeat how to caulk things to your students? Yeah. 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 Continuous, <laughs> continuous was said a lot more. I probably said continuous in the last, well, that year, I suppose more than I probably ever said continuous in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Talking or insulate, exterior insulation, you know, whatever it was. Uh, um, But I mean, I tell you what, it, it, that first group was a really good group to work with, uh, which I knew it would be. Uh, I was really, it was too bad that COVID hit just because they didn't get to see the house all the way through, or at least almost all the way through. Um, so we will do a special open house for them to come back and bring their family. And a few of them stop by, like driving by those, you know, cause they're out of, they're, you know, they're either in college or out in the workforce and stuff. So they'll, they'll pop in and out whenever randomly when we're here. Um, but yeah, that was a good group. Um, uh, Sydney that you interviewed on here. She, uh, who now works for Jake Bruton, um, you know, and is doing well in Columbia, Missouri with him and stuff. Uh, so yeah, it's, I continuous was said a lot and she was in to Sydney's credit. She was an amazing, uh, I give, actually I'm going to give not just Sydney, but girls in general, we want more girls in shop class. You guys are so much better than boys. (laughs) (laughs) You listen better. (laughs) Uh, you, your attention to detail is better. Uh, you're usually calmer. (laughs) in a rowdy sense anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, we've, I've had that conversation with many shop teachers and trades teachers and if you gave us all girl an all girls team. We'd kill the all boys any day of the week. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> so shout out to you guys. So, so it begs the question and, and we have this and I don't think any of us have postulated an answer to it yet, but how do we get those students more interested in building because it's great and it's exciting. And I mean, I talked to Sydney and she was really interested in journalism and a bunch of things. And yet, you know, she's working for Jake and having a great time and, you know, really just kicking it out of the park. I talked with Anna at Maine Passive House and the things that she's doing. And she went to, to college for, Uh, I think she has multiple degrees, but I think she has a degree in chemistry and some other stuff to circle all the way back around to now be teaching um, workshops and project management for Maine Passive House. I mean, it's a community where, where women are certainly welcome. And so I like to highlight that on the podcast and just say, Hey, this is, you know, this is a great opportunity where, uh, where maybe that wasn't the, the, career path or, or whatever that people had done for the longest time. Um, but it's definitely, it's so much more than, you know, what people think about, uh, construction, I think. And so you get some more people, uh, in your class with that mindset, you know, more women or just, I mean, go into math class and apply math to building. And I think you'll get, you'll get, uh, uh, some, some new people in who, who are just excited to, 
maybe it's just me personally, but there's just nothing that's similar to working with your hands and then seeing something that was on paper that you constructed. I'm sure all of your students uh, come back here at the end and kind of say, wow, that there was nothing, nothing there to this thing that we have. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I hope to see right now, next year, this year I didn't have any girls. Next year, I didn't see any on the list. Um, I have some of my step, my stepdaughters are younger, high school age. And like, uh, I know some of their, her friends took some intro to industry, which is a class you got to take before here. And so whenever they're over, I'm like, are you guys going to do building trades? And they're like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm like, it's fun. I promise. Like, like, you know, like, so it's, it's, it's one of those things where we're trying to, and I'm trying to get in this year, we'll put a focus into, um, trying to get into the junior high level, just the, like marketing it, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. You got to go, you got to go out there and recruit those students. Yeah. You're like, yeah. just take one, just take one class, see how you like it, yeah. you know, cause then you get them hooked. Yeah. And the nice thing is too, we've added a woodworking class. So a lot of times the kids will take the intro at freshman level. Well, now you got to wait till their junior year uh, to get into the house building program. You can get in on your sophomore year, but there's gotta be space and it's hard to get in. But, um, so that way the kids as, you know, before they come out here, they can take one more class that kind of gets them doing stuff with their hands, working with the tools and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, using a tape measure regularly and stuff like that. And just some of those general skills when it comes just to, you know, building, you know, and we are, and I've talked with other teachers about this too, that, um, um, kind of are interested in this, uh, um, in other areas, uh, talking with like the science teachers and stuff and saying, Hey, when you're doing, uh, when you're doing a lesson on, you know, whether, I don't know, vapor drive or hot and cold or whatever, like, you know, can you use the example of why a window would have moisture on the inside or, you know, or things like that, or what, uh, you know, moisture does to wood you know what, what happens to your trim or just kind of put the building science in your science class you know when you're giving your examples just throw a house one in there you know because people live in a house they know when they're they see the window and there's condensation at the bottom or something you know so that, that makes sense to them and stuff so uh i know i've, I've talked to like the math teachers and the, even the, i've had the english teachers ask me because a lot of my students go straight from here to the english class i'm like hey the kids say they're going in the trades they don't need to know the stuff and I do I'm like well first of all (laughs) yes okay the argument is everybody's in you you know trades class is something you're going to use in life but I'll tell you what you're going to use every class we take in the trades so uh I tell the kids get pat get over that and don't use that as an excuse anymore because um so I tell I tell the English teacher I'm like write up like a professional email or um job proposal or something like that put that spin on it I was like because you got to do it you know so you got to have, um, get them to, uh, to read one of the building science books. Right. So like get, get a, one of the easy intro to building science, uh, uh even, um, and I'm not all the way through it yet, but Martin Holiday's uh, musings of an energy nerd that we're reading right now for the BS and beer show. I mean, I just read a chapter on, on roofs, like that's applicable to, to what they're doing. Right. And so you know, maybe it's as simple as getting them to read some of some of that and translate it into English, like, you know, whether they're writing a paper on this or write about 
a, you know, a subject that they did in, in your class, like, you know, write about the importance of air sealing details or, you know, like there's so many cool ways. And I've always thought about that. In fact, I was talking to Peter Yost earlier today. And I said, you know, I didn't like physics in high school because it wasn't applied to something that I was really interested in. Like I wasn't going to go out and design roller coasters as fun as it was to take all the physics toys with us to, you know, uh, Hershey Park and ride the roller coasters and whatever. I didn't really think physics was going to apply to anything that I did in the future. And yet building science is basically understanding the physics of buildings. And it was the same with calculus. I didn't like calculus till I went to college and learned that you use calculus to evaluate structures, which then all of a sudden made a whole lot more sense. And so, you know, those kids who are like, oh, I'm never going to take calculus. I'm never going to use it. Well, when you apply it to building structures and, you know, bending moments, like when's this going to fail? All of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, this is cool. This is, you know, so I absolutely think that standard classes could apply an example to building trade industry stuff and capture a lot more attention uh, for people. And like, yeah, maybe the students don't care as much about it as they would, but if they're also taking your class and now they're thinking about what they're building might fail, (laughs) it's like ding, 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 things start to click. Um, So I think that's a great idea for recruitment, you know, in, in junior high, just to say like, Hey, here's a practical application of how you might do this. Or if they're taking geometry, here's how we use geometry. And like, I I can't tell you how many times in my, um, I teach two building science classes, an intro to sustainable design and a, uh, more like energy auditing class, um, that I taught to the construction tech department. And in both classes, I have to teach them how to do geometry again, right? Cause they figure they're never going to use that again. So I break out the, the math and they're like, Oh man, <laughs> it's like, no, oh, no, I promise it. It might not be fun, but it'll be relevant. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny when we do, cause Pythagorean theorem, you know, I remember when I first started doing construction and I, you know, I, I hadn't taken math for a while in college, I don't know, probably by two years by that point. And Pythagorean theory and all that stuff. And then, you know, it all came back, but like right now in high school, they're in that. So I'll say that and they're like, oh yeah, A squared plus B squared equals C squared. I'm just like, all right, well, you know what you can do? You know, you, you know where that comes in play, you know, we can figure out these triangles or figuring out the, you know, squaring up the lines when we're getting ready to start, you know, framing on the foundation or whatever and all that, you know, so, or three, four, five, you know, rules and stuff. And but it's nice because I'm like thinking, oh, great, I'm going to have to reteach this. Because when I taught at the prison, I, you know, I was teaching adults who either hadn't done were, it for a while. Yeah, really hadn't done it for a while. Right. And uh, and then once we get going, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that's coming back to me. But like the high school kids, I'll say that. And they're like, oh, yeah, da, da, you know, I'm like, oh, great. Yes, that's right. You're in math class right now. That's perfect. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't have to do as much of that. Um, fractions and stuff is still something they, I mean, I think. I don't know. Until you do construction, I always struggled with fractions until I was doing construction all the time. Now it's easy and quick and that's fine with me. But for them, uh, usually the fractions and making sure they're correct on the uh, tape measure. Some kids still have problems with that, but usually by once we get going, um, they get they do pretty good. And so it's it, yeah, it is nice to have them fresh in those classes. And 
you know, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. We got talking about school first. Cause one of the things I was, when I was taking notes, like, Oh, what, you know, what we could uh, discuss is, you know, what, you know, not only what is a pretty good house, which I'll let you describe that better since you're involved in putting together a book for that, but really it all comes to me. It all, my process of learning came down to that basic science. Like we just said, like, um, kind of the simplicity of gravity makes things go down. Right. So not, not just talking about not letting the house fall down, but water is the big thing, you know, water goes down, wet goes to dry, hot goes to cold, air moves moisture and living things need to breathe and want to breathe clean air. And that, I mean, as far as like a science thing goes, I, I mean, does it get any, basic than that like I mean you can make it harder but I don't even know if it really gets any any harder than I think we use science yeah we use big technical terms to describe that you know you talk about science and just like we said you know and talk about math and people are like oh I don't want to do that but the basics of it are exactly what you just described and when you kind of leave out like oh we're talking building science and people are like that sounds complicated it's like well it's not really complicated right you know it's it's these simple principles and if everybody was thinking that way we'd have a lot more pretty good houses right so you know maybe we've done one thing like you were talking early on about your blower door test so we sealed everything up right so so we've we've done a great job we've sealed it all up but now let's talk about water. And all of a sudden you realize you've sealed it all up, but maybe you've lapped it the wrong direction. Well, where's that water going to go? Right. So you're, you're teaching them like everything's going to go down. So as it goes down, this needs to lap over this, over this, over this. So you're and not no trap it at the bottom. Yeah, exactly. And so it's, it's funny that you say that. Cause I was just out on a, um, building site earlier this spring and, um, they changed the detail and I had kind of drawn it on there and the, the GC was like, okay, so what do I do with, and this was with the fen trim right on the bottom. And so he's like, well, what do I do with this? And then I, I show up on the job site and he's like, okay, I think I got it. And he tells the framer and I show up on the job site and I'm kind of walking around and the framer's like, are you the owner? And I said, no, I'm the architect. And he's like, oh, great. You know, I have this question. He's like, you know, the, the GC said, do this. And I'm like, oh no, you don't want to do that. Like you, that has to go on before your strapping layer, or you're just going to collect it all at the bottom of the strapping layer. Like the strapping layer has to breathe. There has to be air and water has to get out of that layer. So if you tape over your strapping, you've sort of negated. He's like, oh yeah, that, that makes total sense. And so he had to take a little bit of strapping off because they hadn't realized they needed to do that as a trim detail beforehand. And so they, they had to take off a little bit of strapping. Luckily they only had it in one place. Cause he had kind of stopped and he was like, okay, I need somebody to tell me exactly what I'm supposed to be doing with this. But you know, he was like, this didn't seem right to me. I'm like, well, when it doesn't seem right to you in construction, you stop and ask because it probably isn't right. Every once in a while, there's a wacky detail that Maybe it doesn't quite make sense because you haven't thought all the way through it. But if something just really seems wrong, it probably is wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I tell the kids that. Like, uh, if you don't think you're doing something right, and especially they they don't think they're doing things right all the time, you know, being new. But I'm like, just stop and ask. It's fine. Like, right. be, be bad or be 
less concerned that I'm annoyed at you for asking me questions right now than when I'd be really mad at you later on because you're just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> because you just did it anyway. I, I always say that. I say the only stupid question is the one you didn't ask because that usually means that you either did something wrong or, I mean, not always, yeah. but but it's, I, I say that to, to people. I was like, I don't, I don't care if you call me every day. I'd rather you called me every day than didn't call me at all. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's one of those things, you know, I mean, I have those days where it's just like, Oh my gosh, if you hear your name one more time, right. <laughs> Between home and, and work, you know, but uh, at the same time, it was like, as soon as they ask and I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. That would have been bad if you did that. So good job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for stopping. Well, a, a for asking the question. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, for me in this process of, you know, when I started, when we started to relaunch this program, they're like, all right, Matt, you're going to build a house. We're starting a house building program back up. I'm like, awesome. And I had knew right away, you know, I, cause I mean, I, I, I was kind of, my business was kind of like Travis's when we had it, we kind of did everything. We weren't quite as, um, in-house as much as he was, but it was a lot of remodeling things like that. You know, I, I got to build a couple houses through my career and stuff as a whole, but uh, like I was paying attention to find home building, things like that. And uh, we actually had like a sustainable section in the classes that I taught for the prison. So like the building science was already in my mind and, but to know what to do with all of it, like I, I didn't really know. And so that was definitely one of the things I learned through the process was, you know, we call, we say building science, which some people may get kind of scared off, but, but we could drop the building off. It. It's just science, right? You, right. you don't, I mean, it's literally science. You just don't want things that should stay dry. You either want them to stay dry or be able to dry. And you know, you got to breathe, you know, moisture content, you know, hot, cold surfaces. I mean, it's all thermal bridges. We all learned that in science class. I remember Travis was talking to Jake and Steve on their last um, Build a Podcast and Travis talking about how he didn't take physics class in high school. And I was like, because you know, I had physics, but I was just like, okay, all right, maybe not everybody got that general education, but it's pretty, if you got a high school education, you're pretty aware of that stuff already. So anybody that's thinking, oh, this is going to be too much, like whether you're a new builder or a DIY person or just a homeowner looking to build a new house, whatever it may be, like it, it don't let it freak you out because it's stuff that you probably learned. Sure. You may have not dealt with it in uh, so many years, <laughs> but it's really just the idea. And I know Jake and Steve and, and Peter do a really good on the unbuild it with the control layers talking about the control layers. And really, I mean, those things that we just mentioned, I mean, that, that was all it was, was making sure everything stays dry or it can dry uh, making sure your inhabitants of the house breathe clean air. So there's ventilation. Now that's where I am definitely still learning and will always call the professional, which you should anyway, but um, ventilation. Oh, and lighting, even though lighting's really not part of this, but the BS and, oh, and lighting shows, holy moly. Definitely is. I mean, and that's the thing is um, that gets wrapped up in it a lot. And, and I mean, part of why we're writing the pretty good house book or whatever, but when we talk, building science it's not just some of the simple things i mean you know like uh, the water control layer and the air control layer and the thermal control layer and what you use for insulation right but it is these other things that you're talking about it's like what is the air we're breathing 
what is the light in the space? Uh, I mean, I talk about that from the very beginning. The orientation of the building is really critical. And if you have to have a strict orientation, like your, if your house is in in-town lot, right, then the location of those windows becomes really important. And how do you get daylight in? And how do you use less electricity? Because you've got natural light in the space that actually lets light in. And if you can't do that, how do you supplement that with lighting that isn't just like spot on your head, right? Or, um, you know, my favorite... I have people who listen to the podcast. I hate log cabins because everything is brown. That yeah. is a, that is a, a mood depressant for sure. If like the sun goes down and everything in your house is dark. Right. And so that's part of the science of it too. Right. Is like, how are we emotionally connected to these spaces and the lighting does this huge thing you know, on the lighting episode, they talked about the circadian rhythm and, you know, when daylight and how we're affected by that. We just don't like, we, we don't talk about those things, but they're equally as important. Right. And so lighting, and you probably know more about fresh air than you think you do. Maybe you don't know the equipment. And to be honest, to learn the equipment is probably a bad idea because it's going to change till you, you know, somebody's going to invent something new, different, whatever, till you figured out what the equipment is. But when you're talking about fresh air, you're talking about two things, which is you can have your students research what is in a product, right? So like what's in the stuff we're putting in these houses, right? Is it, how bad is this? How toxic is this? And, oh, you know, I was even talking with Peter is that- And are you cutting and sanding that? Are you cutting and sanding that? Are you breathing that, right? Like what they learned about um, the cement board siding, right? At first they were just like, oh, we're cutting it or whatever. And then they found out like, oh, hey, it's probably not so great for you to be breathing this in. Or you picked it up and it had fissures in it. And then you, because some guys just carrying it in the middle, right? And it does the whole uh, bending thing. And then they put it up and then it rots because they didn't realize that when they did that, they cracked all the finish. You know, there's so many things about the materials that you learn. Um, and then you also just think about like, okay, if I'm going to provide fresh air, where is it coming from? And, um, Peter actually said something really super interesting. And I think this will be uh, interesting for you too, is that passive houses, like, um, not passive house, the, the, the program, but passive houses that like use the sun to warm it or windows to cool it need active occupants, right? So the occupant has to know how to do that. And so you can have fresh air because they open their windows, but when someone is a passive, has an active structure, right? So now you've got mechanical and ventilation systems, they can kind of handle a passive occupant, which is really what most buildings probably are. And so then you just want to know where's that air coming from? You know, and I always say this, like, if you've ever been in your attic you would not go, oh yeah, that's definitely fresh air. Well, that's where that air is coming from. So if all you understand is sealing the space between those two spaces, so your fresh air is coming from somewhere other than your attic or your crawl space, that's understanding a lot more about people. So your, your kids are starting to get that. They're like, they're up there, let them roll around in the fiberglass for a little bit with a t-shirt on and then Please, ask no them if they think, yeah. Right. Then ask them if they, uh, I was a child of the eighties. Did your dad have a fiberglass cap on his truck? The one time you put your arm on the fiberglass cap and then you have all like all that stuff in your arm. You, then you just be like, so do you think that breathing that in seems like a good idea? All of a sudden things get a lot clearer, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and you know, is what we did, uh, and it's something we'll, we'll make standard in at the beginning. I just wasn't thinking about it at the very beginning because, you know, there was kind of a lot to think about, but, uh, for us, we have radon pockets mm-hmm. and I mean, here, this house, we could have radon next door, nothing, right? It's nothing. just, it's just it, there's no rhyme or reason. It's, it's just, it is, it's where it is, is and it's where it is, right? There's nothing mm-hmm. about that. Um, but if you build there, you can control it and get that out. So um, our realtor that will be selling our house, um, I was talking to him, I was like, yeah, I was like, I, I need to do a radon test just, just because. And he goes, yeah, that's a good idea. He goes, people like to know that when they're buying stuff. He was like, he goes, Hey, I got this monitor. He goes, it's not super official, but we found it. If it registers, then if we, if we ever register and we have a test, then it always comes up. Whether the numbers are exact, if it goes up, it's something's there, whether it's right on the money or not, that's irrelevant, but right. So he let, he brought it over. We left it in Well, it would, I forget what it peaked up to. Um, so I forget what the I forget what the radon measurement is, but you're supposed to be down like, I want to say two or 0.2 or something. I mean, it's the number supposed to be low. Well, we're like 10 or 12. Like, so I was like, okay. I was like, well, we'll, we'll put it in. So um, I got a hold of a guy that does that stuff. And he came by and he actually took one of my students and my student helped him assemble the whole thing. And since we're encapsulated crawl space, he was able to pretty much go underneath the plastic we popped out into the garage, went straight up out the roof. So that way we didn't affect any of our, um, our air barrier other than coming out into the garage from the crawl space. He sealed that all up because they, they do that anyway. They, they're all about air sealing already. And then we left that monitor in here and like short-term wise dropped, like within a day dropped immediately, like way down low. And then the long, it also had a long-term and after a week it leveled all out and I was like, uh, yeah, we are going to, so I was talking to the kids about radon. They're like, I'm like, what is that? And I was like, so I was explaining the best way I know how, and the examples I'll show was talking about like how many packs of cigarettes somebody would smoke, like breathing that in. And then the kids are like, Oh, okay. So I, I told them, I was like, we will forever now just put that into the foundation, whether it's a crawl space slab basement, whatever it may be, it's, it's being built in day one when the, everything's there. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, you know, that was a nice little lesson. Um, and, and the kids had seen that little dial here. So they saw the numbers changed and stuff. And, uh, I was like, see, you guys can't even, you don't even know that's there. You don't smell it. You don't taste it. You don't, there's nothing like if we hadn't monitored, we never did get official tests. It was like, well, we're just going to put it in and get it done. Cause it, and it's so inexpensive. Yeah. I mean, it's PVC pipe and a, va- a fan <laughs> in a <Yeah>. switch. <laughs> Our um, main is a radon state. So we have a lot of granite here, which usually means a lot of uranium, which usually means radon. So uh, pretty much across the board, everybody just has to put in radon passive system, whether you need a fan or not, you know, happens when you test it after construction. Um, But what you should tell the students is it's also partially because they did such a good job sealing the house. Right. So we never used to worry about radon because we all lived in these leaky houses and there was just enough fresh air movement. Well, not even fresh air, but enough air movement to mitigate the radon previously. Now we're building these awesome, super tight houses, which are great to live in. They're really comfortable. Nobody's putting on the third sweater because they're freezing. Um, 
but we've created a new issue that they can't smell or taste or even know that that's in there. And, you know, the students who are building it don't know that. So imagine the number of homeowners out there who the only time they ever hear about it is maybe when they're buying a house and there's an inspection report and someone says you should test for radon. And they're like, what's radon? Like, what do I need that for? So. Yeah. And then that's why I told the kids, uh, and, and, you know, I got thinking about, was like, man, that was a quick change, but I was like, where, where's it going to go? Like, there's no, cause right now, we, you know, the, the heating cooling system, it's not hooked up. So the ERV isn't commissioned or anything yet. So there's nothing pulling anything. It's just in here and it's in here, you know? And, yeah. and we, and, you know, it's one of those things. And this is another thing kind of, you know, we can talk about too, uh, so like today it's, it's, it's kind of a cool day, maybe not quite 80 degrees outside, but it's raining. So humidity is super high, even though temperature wise feels all right inside. Um, so one of the, okay, let me back up. So one of the things I definitely learned was, and, and this is whether you're building, I'd say any level of house is controlling as much as you can, the conditions, especially when it comes to moisture as you build construction moisture. And I know, I feel like Jake and Steve may have talked about this. Maybe I think, I feel like I've heard you talk about this or maybe we've talked about BS and beer. I mean, it's been talked about, right? And it was one of those things um, we had talked, I had listened, get, I'd listened to you guys talk about this after I'd learned the lesson. Um, so one of the things was the, we don't build the house as fast as someone else. You know, you get the subfloor system built, the flooring system built, you know, a normal builder, 1600 square foot house, by the end of the week, you're shedding water, sheeted, no big deal, right? Well, that takes us a month. And if it's a wet month, that subfloor is getting pounded and saturated and Advantech, God bless you, Huber Wood. It's a great material. It can take a beating, but our crawl space is unvented at this moment. All it is, the only vent would be the door hatch while it's dark. There's no air moving down through there. Once we put the floor system up, we had a stretch of really wet week. The full is just getting pounded, pounded, pounded. You know, we're squeezing water out and stuff. Um, and the good thing is we, you know, we had a sub pump, but the sub pump wasn't hooked up, but everything would drain into the bucket and stuff. And there wasn't a lot of water in there. So I was like, okay, that's nice. And then one day I was going past in the garage is where our access hatch is and I could smell crawl space. And I'm like, oh, I knew it. So I, I crawl down there. I look up and just surface mold everywhere. And I'm just like, and by this time, you know, we, we've closed off. I, we were shedding water. I think we were outside working on siding stuff at this point. So we really hadn't been inside and stuff. And I was just like, oh, you know, we're trying to do this healthy house and all this and, we just put mold in the house, you know, month three into the build. Right. And so I'm like, okay, so I talked to our friends that do mold remediation, and everything. And they're like, okay, right, this is what you gotta do. You gotta get it dried out. You gotta get the moisture content of the wood down to under 12. Is that right? Sound right? I think, so. I think you have to be under 12 for mold growth or something anyways it was i think we got down to like eight or nine so we're getting down like furniture grade <laughs> dryness and he's like they're like just put a put a dehumidifier in there put a space heater or something in there get it hot get it warm get it dry 
And then, you know, then you'll, then you can do the treatment and sealing it all off and everything. And we did that and uh, encapsulated the whole entire crawl space. We got encapsulated. We kept, uh, we, we put a dehumidifier down there and just let it stay. It's permanent, you know, just drips into the um, sub pump pit. And now every time we go down in the crawl space, the kids are like, oh man, I put my room down here. I'm like, you're going to put your room in a four foot tall <laughs> crawl space, but it's nice. Like everybody, you know, everybody that comes over that has to, uh, you know, the internet guys had to run, run a wire through and they're like, you know, do you have, you know, is, do you have a crawl space? We're like, yeah, I go, it'll be the nicest one you've ever been in. They crawl them in there like, oh yeah, this is all right. Like it doesn't stink. It doesn't smell, even though we had mold, we, we, we took care of it, of course. Um, like the controlling that construction moisture. And I know some of the guys have started taping the seams on the Vantec or sorry. Yeah. On Vantec. And then I know Huber just also came out with a new subfloor that's supposed to be, um, um, be able, it has like, I guess, uh, WRB on it, I suppose. And, uh, kind of like their zip, but, uh, that was one thing I learned because with the crawl spaces, you know, basement, you have a little bit more airflow. It's a bigger area and stuff, but enclosed crawl space, especially, I mean, there's just, it's dark. It's, there's nowhere for it to go. At that point we had it sealed it completely off from the ground moisture and stuff too. So, you know, we were creating a perfect scenario for mold. And so that's one thing I'll definitely, um, you, which you can either design out of, get rid of the crawl space completely, or, um, you know, take steps to prevent that. And of course, for us, it was a little bit different because we are exposed a little bit longer, but if you're building a bigger house, I mean, you could, I mean, who knows it, you know, like I said, for us, a 1500 square foot house takes us a month to cover up, but for a normal builder, not so much, but if you're building a 3000 square foot house, well, now maybe it does take you longer to do that. Well, I, but you make uh, several valid points. One, I did a high performance house with a school group here uh, and it snowed and they covered the crawl space and then they had mold in their in their crawl space. So they also had a similar issue. But two, even in high performance house, sometimes you do things out of the normal order. So or or too soon. Right. So a lot of people want you to wait for your foundation to cure and then build on top of it. But Sometimes you, you got to keep going. It's the middle of winter or whatever. And um, I think Jake said it on the Unbuild It podcast, but I had never heard it in this term before, but it made total sense. It's convenience moisture when you're pouring a concrete slab, right? Well, so we just had a contractor uh, who was building a panelized house and they couldn't pour the slab before they put the panels up because it was really cold, right? So they had to pour the slab after they had their panels up and they were unity panels and they were all, um, they were all connected together and basically air sealed in like from the beginning. And then they're pouring a wet slab into that. And so it was really huge for them to run dehumidifiers all the time because, that excess moisture just didn't have anywhere to go. Right. And so you had a ton of moisture to get the slab to lay flat and wherever you want, not that you necessarily need it to cure. And then it gives off that moisture and it's just getting trapped inside a, you know, unheated, uh, 
no, no ventilation, right? There's nothing moving through that. So even in slab construction or a basement or something, you pour that slab in after you've air sealed everything else in, you still have moisture issues for totally different reasons. And so that is just a lesson that's super important for everybody. Even if it's, you know, you guys just needing to take a little bit longer. I mean, you have your kids for what, like three, four hours a day. So it's going to only get so much done in, in a certain amount of time. Um, but that dehumidity, I mean, even just every building material that you have, like you get a rainy week and you've got your two buys covered, but they're sitting out in the driveway, right? Well, they're going to have more moisture in them than they normally do. You bring them in, you got to dry that out before you get on to the next thing, whether you get mold or whether you just get shrinkage and cracks and all kinds of other issues. So (laughs) I'll tell you what the kids learn about that. Well, and so once we sealed everything up, we, I bought another dehumidifier and it's sitting actually over here that will travel around each job site with us. And, uh, so we keep it like downstairs or crawl space and up here well, for at least a solid year, probably longer now, but, uh, 30 to 50 range relative humidity constant. And, and you know, you talk about when you do stuff, well, go start drywalling with mud, uh, painting. You want to see, you, that thing will kick on and run nonstop, you know, mm-hmm. like, and it's funny we talked about this too, because just the other day we textured the garage sprayed, just, you know, textured the wall ceiling, everything. And it was a pretty warm day outside, but you know, uh, the garage door is shut and everything. So we're, again, we're trapped inside. There's no ventilation in there or whatever. And we turned that sucker into a sauna so fast. Like we went from, mm-hmm. and then, I mean, you walk into this house where, it was, I don't know, 78, 76 degrees. The, you know, dehumidifiers got us down to, I don't know, we'll say 40%. Man, it was like walking in the air conditioning. Like, mm-hmm. and that's the thing. And so we would have days like this when it was starting to get warm and I'd have the kids working on stuff in the room and all of a sudden I'd hear the, the dehumidifier kick on. I was like, oh, that's kind of weird, you know? And uh, I go into check and see what they're doing. They got the windows cranked wide open. Because it was nice and cool outside because it's getting ready to rain. So humidity outside is like 90%. But the cool breeze coming through from the system felt great. I'm like, gosh, you've got to shut the window. And they're like, why? I'm like, because it's 40% humidity in here and it is 90% humidity out there. Wet goes to dry. So you're just bringing that all in. I said, you hear that machine running? I go, it wasn't running until you opened the window. Like, I know I get what you're doing because of the temperature and it feels good. I I'm totally understand that, but that was one of those lessons you learned that you're now, when you understand that simple physics, you're just bringing, you're asking the warm, moist air to come in, even though it feels good, but you're, you're not helping this situation in the house, the controlled, you know, your controlled system inside. And uh, so I had to go through those le- lessons and then, once they learn and somebody would be like, oh, can we open the windows? And I'd be like, why can't we open the windows? And somebody, you know, that one of the students actually pays attention because you're bringing humidity into the house. And I go, okay, what's the humidity and this stuff due to our trend? It'll expand it. I'm like, okay, you know, like, so, you know, it was one of those things that was made for nice lessons. But again, yeah. you know, like if you're, you're just getting into this, it's that simple. Like it's, the science is that simple. Like, you know, I, I know it makes sense to open the windows when you're a little warm, but you got to think just one step farther with moisture. And that goes back to, you know, active occupants. Right. And so then the person who, who 
builds this house or when you get your ventilation system up and running. Right. So right now you're like, our ventilation system isn't running, but everything's still closed because you're trying to control the humidity. Well, then they turn on the ventilation system and most ERVs are programmed for winter time conditions. Right. So it's got a humidistat on it and it says, um, you know, Oh, it's, it's, it's a 60% humidity in here. It's too high. I got to turn on and then it just dumps more humid air inside. And so, um, we're starting to see a lot of ventilation plus dehumidification, which does allow you to, like you said, you came in the house and it was 76 degrees, which most people would be like, well, that's still too warm. But if it's 76 degrees and 40% humidity, it's actually really comfortable. It might even be a little cold. Like right now it's 71 degrees in my office and it's 47% humidity. And I am wearing long sleeves. I'm wearing a scarf. I've got slippers on. I'm wearing pants, right? Like if I'm not moving, that temperature is more than comfortable, even for me, a little bit chilly. So like once, once you start to realize that, so you now have active occupants, you're like, okay, you know what? Open your windows when it's 40 or 50% outside and it's 70 degrees and cool off the inside. And as the day warms up, close those off. You know, you've built a better insulated, better air sealed house. Now it's going to stay cool all day long and not use their systems. So, uh, it, that's always the, the fun lesson is you just kind of relate it to, things they understand. So like your kids are understanding it while they're working and, you know, now homeowners will understand it when they live in the spaces. So, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, uh, we are 81 and 41%. So, and I mean, it's comfortable. I'm not now if I was moving around work and I'd be sweating, we got the ceiling fans on just for some air movement and stuff. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was one of those lessons. And that's the other thing I would tell everyone, get some kind of monitoring system. Like, so that way, you know what it is outside compared to inside. Cause like you said, as soon as inside outside was relatively the same, at least on, you know, relative humidity wise and stuff. Uh, then we would, that's when we'd crank the windows open. But like the other day we had, it was like hundred degrees storm system came through, dropped it down to 60. As soon as I got over here that day, <laughs> all the windows cranked open and, oh, you know, and then, and like you said, it holds that all in here for a while. So you kind of get that free air conditioning for a while. Now, you know, when we have the kids here and you got 30 kids in and out and blah, blah, blah. Well, I mean, just like our parents always yelled at us, it, you know, and that's why. Oh, uh, yeah. And yeah. like, just like you just said, if you were up and moving around and working on stuff, but most of the time when we're in our houses, we're a lot more sedentary, you know, we're not hopefully working on projects. So like you're, it's a unique situation during construction for what you're doing and having 30 people in and out. Right. But yeah. normally at home, you'd have, you know, two five, six, you know, people, and they're doing relatively sedentary activities, except for, you know, then this brings up the other thing is like, they're cooking. Okay. We're making spaghetti for dinner. Now, all of a sudden that relative humidity just went way up and you're having a nice day and it's, it's nice outside, not too high. Crank that window right open. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What was the next things I, Oh, I will say this, uh, Quick plug for anybody that is, whether you're new or not new, if you haven't listened to Peter, you're talking about Peter, Peter Yost, Fundamentals of Building Science on Fine Home Building that he did at the summit. I think it's like a 45-minute presentation. Um, You can look it up on finehomebuilding.com. It is such, and anybody that knows Peter, he does a really good job of breaking it down to understand, I believe. I think so anyway. It was such a perfect 
intro to all of it. Like I remember watching that and I'm like, Oh my gosh, that all made so much sense. Like I, I mean, I literally have taught some of my lessons when talking to the kids about the stuff, exactly of what he's talking about. I mean, he broke it down so great. So anybody's yeah. Looking to, you know, get, gain that first little bit of knowledge if you're taking your first, putting your first toe in the water, that that's a good place to start. Like that one was so good. And of course, then there's your, your, I mean, any of your podcasts and you, Jake and Steve's and Peter's and build, unbuild it. I mean, gosh, the list could go on. Uh, <laughs> green yeah. building advisor, be it anything, be some beer, uh, the pretty good, but pretty good home book. Yeah. Uh, um, the list can absolutely go on. Yeah. And for anybody listening to the podcast, if you didn't listen to last week's episode with Peter, Peter also rattles off a few of his favorite uh, because he got to talking about a building enclosure book. And I was like, wait, Peter, we're going to talk about books. Let's, you know, and so we dive in for resources and he brings up Building America and uh, Building Science Corporation, which also both have a lot of great resources for anybody who's just not quite sure. And if you want to get in the weeds and learn about building science, there are ways to do it. And there are also designs that work and enclosures that work that just tell people do it this way. And so, uh, that is, uh, there's some great resources on there. I, I mean, there's some amazing resources out there right now. And it was just a matter of, we, I talked to Peter about wingnut testing. It's just a matter of getting all the people together. Cause there are people kind of everywhere doing different things. And so that's why, that's why I do the podcast every week to try to connect people. And, and really what spurred BS and beer, um, was our local group, uh, getting together and then the pandemic hit and we couldn't come together in person. And we started just saying, okay, is everybody okay? Let's pop on a zoom, you know, let's get our group together. And then word got out a couple of people who've met probably Mike mostly, uh, but a couple of the other pretty good house guys at, uh, different conferences who have always wanted to join our discussion groups and, um, meeting in person in a discussion group is a lot of fun. And I highly encourage everybody to set up their own groups in their own areas, but it's a hot mess to video record and let people join in. So we had yeah. never done it before. Um, and they got wind that we were meeting on zoom and, a la BS and beer show was, uh, began. And what I think is great is now that we're able to start getting back together in person again, is that a lot of groups are, are connecting with other people in their area who've wanted to do this and wanted to talk about it and just didn't, there wasn't a network out there yet that connected people in their local areas. So that's been one of the things that's really exciting about the BS and beer show is it's kind of popped up a couple of people in different local areas to get their own discussion groups going and talking. It's um, because our group started for, you know, very New England centric. We talk about a lot of New England things and we're really trying hard with BS and beer to make sure we cover the other climate zones. Um, <laughs> but what's available in your area, what you can get, what your clientele is. I mean, everybody's groups are different. I heard um, an architect on a forum talking about construction in California and they can't do anything for a thousand dollars a square foot. And I was like, man, what I would do with a thousand dollars a square foot. Right. So I mean, just, just costs, geographic areas, access. I mean, we take it for granted in new England that we have access to, to wood, yeah. everything. 
And then to hear on the BS and beer show, like we'll use a shingle to pitch a windowsill or something. And people are like, I'd never do that. Do you know how expensive that is? So it's fun um, for local groups to get together in their areas and talk about things that are very specific. And then still all of us get together and push the market to, as Christoph would say, do better things, like give us better things, give us things we can, can work with. So, um, I appreciate you bringing up, uh, references for people because the information is out there and it can be accessible. I mean, don't start with water and buildings because you'll never read another building science textbook again. Yeah. Uh, is it great? Yes. Do you have to read it six times to understand it? Yes. <laughs> well, and you know, that's kind of builds into something else. I, one of the things learning through this process for me was like, and you kind of talked about it and we, you know, with all everybody getting connected. So I guess if you want to thank COVID for at least one thing, bringing the us community on, you know, I mean, we're, we're, you know, you're in Maine, I'm in Illinois, we're talking right now. Right. Um, like getting connected with the right people or building the right team. Like, you know, if you're a homeowner wants to do this or, you know, or a new builder, like I, for me, I had to, I, I designed this house right now. Good thing with a small house, your design can always be more efficient, but it's, I would say, and you could maybe agree or disagree as an architect, but with a small house, you can't get too inefficient on the design just because there's that's not much space. Like your utilities really can't, you can't move them very far from the center anyway. Like, I mean, even if it's towards the edge, it's really not that far across the house anyway. So, you, you know, when it comes to stuff like that, but working with the right people, the right architect, designer, um, uh, you, um, mechanicals people, like building the team. Like, and that's the thing for me, I, I like to learn and know how to do all this stuff. I think that's why I like building. Um, one of my favorite things about the build was I learned so much more about plumbing and electrical, like how to install it because I just never got to do that stuff. And now I, I don't want to be a plumber, but I would be a new construction plumber all day long. <laughs> I don't want to go mess with your existing plumbing, but I will do the clean new stuff. Right. Cause that is fun. It's putting together that puzzle. But like, I also learned too. I just, there, you can't learn it all. You can't do it all. Like it, you, you know, talk to Emily Montrum, you know, get Steve basic on the phone, whatever those get, you know, get a builder like Jake, um, you know, build that team of people who either a under already understand it, or if you're, you know, especially in the Midwest, that's harder to find those people at least want to go after and help learn it. So that way everybody's kind of learning their own thing and can kind of come together. Cause you know, and you, and you know, it's one of those things where we talk about, I talked about, you know, we went and punched a whole bunch of holes and everything. Well, you know, you can see behind us, we got, you know, our little disc lights and everything. Well, for us, the drywall is the air barrier. You know, we don't have a, a wrap above it with, um, I mean, we have strapping, but it's not for a service cavity or anything like that. Um, but you can design, you can design some of these problems out the window, right? Like the next house, um, luckily, well, Steve Basic gave us the blueprints for the next house and the center corridor of the building has everything in it, plumbing, straight shot, uh, heating, cooling lines, everything. Um, even if we had a crawl space, it, everything gets dropped down from a, the nine foot ceilings to, you know, approximately an eight foot ceiling. 
all that duct work or lines or whatever goes right through the middle, vents right out. So everything's nice and short. You're not pushing everything out to the outside walls. So it, it takes care of, you know, you know, we talked about the lighting discussions. Well, get rid of, do you need 60 recessed lights in your house? Probably not, right? <laughs> I'm gonna say no. Um, no. But yeah, I, I have a love-hate relationship with recessed lighting. I love that it provides light and you don't see anything. But at the same time, as soon as you're trying to air seal stuff, you're crawling around in the attic. If you didn't get that box perfectly sealed, you're crawling around on a 312 pitch that's tiny already and getting out to the eaves, trying to seal things up, find, you know, chasing air leaks down. So one thing I came up with a better system of doing that and well, let's just eliminate the problem. Like if it's not there, it's not a problem. So having that person who understands design and what you're trying to do right there alone can fix so many of your issues that you don't have to try to learn and figure out yourself. And now for me, I'm, I'm glad I went through the process and learned stuff because I will do this again and have to teach kids because we're going to build another house. But, you know, for, you know, someone who's just going to want a better built house, well, hopefully they're only doing that once. And so, and you're, you're never, to build one house, you're never going to figure it all out in one house anyway. Like I, and we'll get to what I'll do differently next, but give up on the idea that you're going to learn it all because any one of these topics we've talked about, you could go on a rabbit hole forever and never come back to get to the other thing you wanted to learn about, you know? So it's one of those things you can go as deep as you want on some of this stuff. So admit to yourself, you're not going to learn everything, <laughs> understand that, talk to the right people. Cause I would say, especially in this community, people will give out the information for nothing and it's great. And, and now not only you don't even have to contact those people and, and those people, if they're too busy, they can say, Hey, go listen to Emily's episode 10 or whatever. That's a perfect example. Go listen to unbuild a podcast on control layers. There's like three episodes or whatever. Listen to those three that, you know, the, the information is so accessible now and just out there for nothing. Like uh, you, you can't really go wrong anymore. Um, but I would say, and this one thing I, I'm doing more with this next house is working with people who already understand that, who can take care of these issues for me. I don't have to worry about, okay, well, if I design it this way, all right, well then I'm going to have to put a recess light there. Well, okay, now we got to make sure that's air sealed. Well, you know, you may look at it and be like, oh yeah, Matt, get rid of that. We don't need that. You do this and that fix that problem. Then, oh yeah. Right. Cause I don't, I, I'm not a, as much fun as I had designing this house and playing architect. I am not an architect. I don't want to be an architect, but I loved designing the house, even though me and my wife thought about a house that we'll never live in <laughs> more than we should have. <laughs> like a uh, funny story. I will tell this story. We're, we, uh, and I was telling this to the kids because Steve actually, when COVID hit, jumped on and did like a um, kind of a introduction to like floor plan and layouts and stuff with my kids over Zoom and stuff, which was great. Um, he, he's been wonderful and stuff with those guys. Uh, but um, I, I was telling the story that, so Carmen and I we're, were sitting here drawing up plans of the house. We're like, okay, you know, I like this, this idea, or, I, you know, for me, I wanted the house facing this way. I didn't really want the long, narrow, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And so we get it going and stuff. And I'm like, gosh, I just can't, I can't figure it out. This, that, it's just not coming together. She's like, oh, she goes, nobody's going to want to live in that floor plan. They'll hate it. I'm like, all right. 
right, whatever. Okay, well, you draw it, right? And so she draws up this floor plan and stuff. She's like, and gives me paper. She goes, this is why I get paid the big bucks, you know, all kind of being cocky and stuff. And I'm like, babe, she's like, what? I was like, how do you get into the garage? She looks at it. She's like, ah, (laughs) she's like, I forgot, you know, there's no hallway or doorway to get into the garage. You literally would have to go out the front door, open up the garage door, get in the garage. And I was like, yeah, see, it's not so easy. So, uh, which that all us working together, kind of putting it together, um, taught us two things. A, we did figure it out and came up with the house plan that seems to work. And even Steve gave me some, uh, when he was doing the lessons, I let Steve critique my floor plan. I was like, all right, Steve, critique me in front of the students. Tell me everything I did wrong, whatever I did right, you know. Um, and, and just listen to him talk to the kids. There's already things I would have changed right away, but you know, I, I think, I think it was like a B plus <laughs> design, I would say. And, uh, um, it, you know, it was one of those things where for lesson I learned with me and my wife though, I'm like, babe, I, I, I don't know if we should ever build a house together. Like I, I think <laughs> it, it, I was, when I was listening to you and Travis talk about your remodel, like, you and I, Emily, would do just fine on remodeling a house together. Like we can handle living in it. You know, we know, understand the changes, the, everything you guys talked about. But Carmen and I, it would, it, it would just, A, I said, if we did that, we'd have to, it costs us double right away because we're going to go on a very long vacation and someone else is going to build it for us and we're not going to be there. Like we're just going to come home and it's done, right? Like it just, it's not going to work because me as the builder, guy when i get home i don't want to mess with anything i we we have trim pieces that take 15 minutes to put on that haven't been put on in eight years like you know i mean it's it's the same old story and stuff but uh uh yeah it, it was fun like i i loved d- being part of the design and all that stuff but definitely if you're getting into this hire the people who know what they're doing it's gonna make your life so much better it's going to come out better at the end uh it's going to solve problems before they even show up. So that is definitely one of my, my, A, one of the things I'm definitely going to do differently and am doing differently and B, one of the things I definitely learned and advice I give right away. <laughs> so many important things that you said there. One, the first thing is I applaud you for taking on the design process. I, I feel like people think that's easy and it's not. No. Um, and And so I appreciate you saying, this is great. It wasn't for me. It was fun to try it. It was hard. Um, And then two, uh, that you talked about Steve and how he had the central corridor and where all his mechanicals were going and everything. I think that's something that people need to hear. If you really have a good team, they haven't just given you a good floor plan. They've thought about how you're going to build it, how hard it is to build, where you can put stuff that might seem like it costs more uh, in the upfront, but really should cut down on the amount of time your mechanical people have to be there, the amount of time your plumber has to be there, how easy it is. Um, I sort of joke with uh, the gentleman who does all my fresh air ventilation. And I was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm sure I could do better. He's like, you'd be surprised how, how much you plan in for us to not have to figure out. Cause a lot of times I'll do open web framing. Well, you know what, who knew that open web framing would be so great that allows you to, you know, make design decisions. Cause you get a homeowner who walks through and says, Oh man, I really don't want that right there. Right. So allows for some flexibility for sure, which is nice. Um, and, and you said, 
uh, find your team because you're not going to learn everything. I tell my clients from the very beginning, I don't know everything. I know lots of things, but I don't know everything. I don't know what I don't know yet. Um, and I learn something on every single project, right? I work with a new sub. I learn something new, something cool. So like you talked about, like you hadn't, you'd built houses and you'd done renovations before and you had experience with plumbing, but you, you got to see hands-on put plumbing in and then all of a sudden it's like that chase wall where the kitchen backs up to the bathroom and you have to do half as much plumbing all of a sudden makes a lot more sense. Right. So I think the most important thing for people to know one, find your right team. That's absolutely true. And know enough to know when you don't know, yeah. to ask someone else, yeah. because like you said, it, it's out there. The information is out there between, um, you know, consultants who will, you know, answer some questions that you might have. Um, because a lot of the people I think in the building science trade are just so interested in the progression of building that they will answer your questions. Right. And they're super excited, especially, you know, with, with you and your team. But I also think that you have a lot of great feedback for us in the industry, because you have to teach students who have never done anything before how to do something. So, you know, when it's really hard and you're like, yeah. okay, this is a place where you guys need to put your heads together and come up with another solution. Cause this one thing is really hard. Like, wouldn't it be great if we had a material that could do X, Y, and Z, or wouldn't it be great if everybody planned? Um, I think it was, uh, Macintosh and daughter on Instagram, Joel, Joel talking about how he just recessed his framing in a little bit so that his zip bar sat on it. You know, I mean, sometimes those simple details are so critical, right? And I say this a lot as an architect is whether a client value engineers me out of construction administration or not, I go to the job site because I'm going to learn something from that contractor. And that's that's probably the most important thing you can do is ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Like we talked about this early on is that, you know, there's no such thing as a stupid question, except for the one you don't ask and you want your students to ask it, but that's a great life lesson for them getting into the trades, um, going forward in the future is we should still be asking quite like they feel like it's okay to ask questions because they're students, right. And they're learning, but you need to still be okay to ask questions when you're in the field as well. Right. Because I had a contractor say to me once, there's never enough money to do it right the first time, but there's always enough money to fix it. Right. Well, a lot of people would like to not be doing that. So yeah. ask the questions and, and know that asking the question doesn't mean that you don't know anything. It, it, is often a great way. And, you know, reframe the question. If you're, you're not quite sure is it's a great learning experience. People like to teach, you know, I mean, you're having a bad day and somebody's throwing stuff around on your job site. Maybe don't ask that guy, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, that's so much important. And then the last thing I'll say to you about this, um, because I think I said it on the podcast with, with Travis as well. Um, Technically, until my husband and I are done with this house and doing our renovations, we'll have kind of built a house together anyway. But being a good designer means you're also very good at marriage counseling. I think I talked yep. about this with Steve Basic. Yes. I just getting, listened to the episode. Yep. Yeah. Getting two people who are on different wavelengths into the same house and really happy at the end is a very interesting skill set. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. When, so when I had the company and stuff, you know, we obviously, we did a lot of remodels, kitchen, bathroom stuff, you know, so there was a lot of, you know, it's not like you're just going in and trimming out a bedroom and putting paint on the wall, right? You're, you're making some pretty big decisions and what people really like, cause everybody has a specific, you know, where, where does this cabinet go compared to, you know, I'd put the drawer here because that's where I want the silverware. Well, I want the silverware here. Like, mm. you know, so you're going through and you're like, okay, when you're in this kitchen, what do you do? Where does your hand go? Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and a lot of times, you know, and Steve, I, that's funny you just said that because I was, you know, when I've been here, I've been catching up on, a, on the past episodes and uh, I was listening to that one and, it, you know, I sit there and laugh because I've been through all of that as a, a builder and remodeler and, and I, and we do joke like, about the marriage counseling thing because you literally become this arbiter person you know in between these two like okay well she wants this and you want this so why well, how about we do this and then you kind of both you know so you're yeah it's kind of funny that you, you when you guys said that i was like oh i felt that one that was that was so true like you just sit at the table and you're like Oh, like, have you guys talked about this before to each other? Or, you know, like Steve was talking about the one where the wife starts listing off all the stuff and the guy's like, I have never heard you say this at all. You know, I was just like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get, what's nice is when you just get in there, like the husband's like, I'll write the check, whatever she wants. Great. <laughs> but I mean, I've had discussions where we were trying to figure out where the handle goes for the, for the cabinet. It was in a bathroom, had a nice tall, um, cabinet from countertop to ceiling and stuff. And, uh, these people I've known forever. In fact, it was one of our former principals growing up and I've done, we did a lot of work for them and grew up with their kids and stuff. And we're in there and husband's like, it's like, all right, we got to figure out, Bernie wants to know where we're putting this. And he goes, I want to put it here. She thinks it should go here. Da, da, da. What's your guys' opinion? And we're like, okay. So there's there's three of us working, like me and my buddy owned the company, one of our other buddies that worked for us. We're like, well, this is where we like it. And then, you know, we, we kind of gave our reasons why we've also maybe done it on other projects. I said, the good thing is you're gonna put it in one of these spots and it looks fine. Like nobody's gonna walk in and be like, whoa. What happened there? Right? Yeah, like you're, you're, you're in a win-win situation as far as it not, bugging you the rest of your life or looking like crap. Um, but we, so we all voted for his. And so Bernie comes downstairs, we're talking to her and we're like, okay, told her the same thing. You're a win-win situation. Whatever you guys choose is, you know, we'll, we'll put them wherever you guys want. I said, you know, we've put them here. Um, you know, this is why we said, this is the reason, blah, blah, blah. People seem to like whatever it was. And she's like, okay, that makes sense. Let's go there. And she leaves. And, uh, he comes around the corner, Ed comes around the corner. He's like, thank you. <laughs> he's like, thank you guys. He's like, I never win those things. <laughs> it's like, it's like, Hey, you know, we're glad we can help out, but you, you're right. It's a lot of, uh, if you're going into this business, no matter what your job, architect, designer, contractor, yeah, just learn some basic marriage counseling. <laughs> I think that should be like part of any trade school, like just basic uh, marriage counseling 101 or something, just because you're, you're going to do it. Yeah, everyone should read How to Win Friends and Influence People. 
There you go. That's what you can suggest they they do uh, in in English. It's one of one of the best books on uh, on. You know, it's eighty percent personality and twenty percent your skill, right? So yeah. you know, how 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 do you how do you deal with people? How do you convince people that your idea was their idea, right? Yes, <laughs> so, yes. It's a it's a it's a fun. I find it fun, right? So so if, if that's a skill you don't think that you'll ever have, maybe the construction industry isn't for you, which is which is funny because that's not what you usually talk about when you talk about the construction industry, but but it's really important. So well, and it's kind of funny because so car for me, Carmen's my go-to when it's like asking opinions. So mm -hmm. we, we were actually me and the kids are putting the handles on the cabinets and we have a tall pantry cabinet over here and so it was one of those things where, again, it was one of those things, do we center, you know, on, on the cabinet? Do we raise it up a little bit? Do you want it low enough so the kids can get in? Do you want it low enough so the kids can't get in it? You know? And right. so we're, we're, I'm, I'm having the kids like, I'm like, hold this, taking pictures, send it to Carmen, like, give me your feedback. And so it's kind of funny. Like I said, we, we get in these arguments or disagreements about this house. I'm like, what are we doing? We're not going to live in this thing. Like, in fact, once it's sold, we'll probably never be in this house ever again. Like, <laughs> but I liked, uh, was it Doug? I think it was Doug from DC. He was, he was talking about how their company offered to pay for vacation to the homeowners if they made every single choice before building and didn't change it. And they, he said, he think they did it like two or three times maybe. And I was like, and, and I've been going through my process of, Okay, because that was the other thing. Some of this stuff, I was just on the fly, you know, like design, build, it, it was all happening, right? It wasn't all figured out at the, at the beginning. Definitely, definitely do as much. And I mean, every podcast about construction, business, anything will tell you this over and over again. Figure out as much as you can at the beginning, even if it comes down to the light fixtures and the switch plate covers, because by the end of it, you're just going to A, be fried, B, I mean, it could cause budget issues, of course, but having it all already figured out, man, it's just get it, get it done, get it thought of, get it over with. I mean, that's just a advice on any build project you do. I don't care if it's horrible or passive, <laughs> just try to figure it out. And that's one thing I'm doing with the kids on this next house build. Um, and this has been talked about before too, is, um, in fact, I think Doug may talked about it as well. Uh, I was actually started doing a digital twin for the house. Um, so that way every single wall has, this is where the wires go. This is where the plumbing goes. It will be, cause that's one thing I did learn with building with the kids. And I guess this could be anybody that's kind of getting into this or I guess train, even working with your new staff or employees. If you're able to create a digital twin or whatever, a virtual mock-up it's a lot easier to because for me i can see every single piece of this house right like and same with you you know we we can see every single stud in this house whether it's been built hasn't been built there's wall standing or not we can see that we know okay wires are coming through there we don't want to put blocking there because the vent pipes going up or whatever right we 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 we, we get that but for like the kids especially since they're brand new they a wall is a wall, like even though they've learned what studs are and this and that until you've done it and put wires in it and 
you know, go to put blocking in, but you can't because there's a three inch vent pipe going through. Well, maybe we now, you know, now we should build it with a two by six wall or two by eight wall, have a plumbing wall. So you have the room and blah, blah, blah. Like that was one thing I'm doing to help make my job easier is doing that, that digital twin. Every wall will have a picture. It should, once you're done building, just like Legos, right? You get a package of Legos. If you follow each step, it should look like the picture at the end. Same thing. Like, so that, that's one thing. Um, if you have access to do that or ability or know somebody that can do that for you, um, obviously, you know, that, that could cost some money, but um, I think having everything planned out, especially when you're trying to do better with the building performance and this and that, this and that, and understanding those transitions, you know, um, it's, you know, it's easy to throw a zip on the wall, tape it, and for the most part, be airtight, right? Well, as soon as you turn the corner though, well, now you got a problem. And so understanding those connecting points, things like that, I, that that's where, again, the de- working with the designer architect, but if you could either build a mock-up or do a, visual, a virtual thing, I think that's one of those things where it's going to help out a huge amount. Luckily for me, I love messing around in SketchUp and Chief Architect on that. So that stuff is fun for me to do. So, it, but uh I'd say investing in that is a good, good deal. Now, if granted, if you're working with an architect, stuff that stuff that may even come with those services and stuff already. But um, planning, I guess, planning all that could be summed up in planning, right? That whole spiel, planning. It's like measure twice and cut once. Yeah, just right? on a much bigger scale. Yes, yes. So that's one thing I am definitely doing differently. So we've kind of talked about things. I like, like, so that, that was really all the stuff I've learned along the way. Well, it's probably not all of it, but things that popped out of my hand, my mind, that was, I think was important for other people to know, uh, mm-hmm. things I definitely are doing differently. We've talked about, uh, having it professionally designed. You know, we talked about Steve was generous enough to give us a, um, uh, in town lot house that he's had built many times before that worked perfectly for us that, um, you know, he was able to give us the plans for and stuff. Um, so, you know, that's one thing I'm definitely doing differently is working with professional when it comes to the design side of things, uh, to make the job easier. Um, air sealing. So if we do have where we will have some recessed lights and stuff, um, obviously we could either a, uh, is Intello, is that the membrane, you, could, you know, yep. obviously switch to that and make that our air barrier or we can stick with our drywall system. And I've already designed um, like a air sealing plate and box that will work, that I think will kind of take the uh, air proof out of the kids putting it together. Cause one of the things we did, we built these nice boxes out of like our leftover zip R. Well, they're great and they're sealed up, they're taped all this stuff and embedded in uh, acoustical caulk. But the problem is, is when they're up there, if that plane isn't perfect, and I'm doing this as nobody can see me with my hand, except Emily, if that plane isn't perfect and the drywall doesn't hit right in there and squeeze that acoustical sealant, well, it didn't do any good. And having kids do that, even taking their time and, you know, maybe putting a straight edge across there to make sure they're, that it's, it's kind of a tricky thing to do. I felt it was a tricky thing to do with new students. Uh, or new, you know, new workers. Uh, so that's one thing I've definitely changed and thought about a lot and came up with a system. 
like I said, we've already designed some of that stuff all out the window. So we're not even gonna worry about it, which is great. Um, material choices, definitely stuff. Uh, the more I've gotten to know, like I said, for me, getting to building science wasn't really an environmental thing. Like I, I care about the environment and stuff like that. I'm cautious of what's going on, but that wasn't like a lot of people in building science, a lot of their drive is environmental drive, which is great for me. I just think it's really cool that a house can be better and do better and, you know, potentially even create its own energy, store its own energy. You know, like, I, I just think that's awesome. Like, just on the performance side, I, I think that is building better, period. Um, the environmental side is just that extra bonus. Um, but at the same time, as I learned more, then the environmental thing kind of kicks into my brain a little bit more. And so, you know, things using things like spray foam was, well, and it, we only, we used it pretty sparingly here um, in the uh, the rim joist around the, the, the floor joist and stuff. And then right above the ceiling, um, the top plates where the, where our trusses sit. Now, the only reason we did it there was because we wanted a little extra R value because when I okayed our trusses, I did not, even though I asked for, I did not realize they had not raised the heels higher like we wanted. So I was like, okay, fine. Um, we went ahead and put it up there. So those are only two places we used it. And, but Travis had soon detailed a, showed a detail on Instagram using rock wool and um, a little bit of spray foam, uh, just, you know, can foam. And I was like, we could have done that easily. And, yeah. and especially since we were working with rock wool, thank you, Dan, if you're listening. Um, so for us, it wasn't even really that, really a small expense, if any at all. Um, and I was like, oh, my kids could have handled that. We could have done that. We would have had it done probably in two work sessions with a couple of kids while working on other stuff. So uh, it's one of those things where that spray foam, we've, I'm not going to say we'll never ever use spray foam again, because we are, are talking about possibly doing remodels, which, you know, like you said, it depends. So, yeah. Um, sometimes but, you just have to. Yeah. But for the most part on new construction, I don't, for, I don't see us using spray foam because it's one of those things where we can use something different that is better. Right now we, we don't, for us, we're not like you guys, you know, we don't have, we have lots of cornfields. So if we could ever build houses out of corn stalks and all that stuff, I mean, I guess straw bale houses, I suppose that, that'd be our see, you can local. You can build, you can build cob houses. Yeah, uh, cob, I've, seen that. I've seen that. That'd be, that'd be interesting. You get, oh. get out there, see, see you guys doing that. I think that would take you like Forever. four semesters of... <laughs> of building so it'd yeah. be like four years and you might get you might get one done uh just a lot more labor intensive but you you brought up a good point if you know somebody's not interested in the building science for environmental reasons like maybe it's just not something they thought about yet or cared about as much or or whatever um you know one of the the founding principles of building science is durability and realistically yeah. speaking what you're doing now is just understanding the materials you have and how they perform and that's probably the best aspect of building science that you can put out there i mean sure it'll be environmentally better or whatever but if you build something that's going to last three times as long because you took a little extra time to build that well then you know you've cut that house's environmental impact by a third because it's going to last three times longer. So even if you didn't care about the environment, not that you didn't care about the environment, but that wasn't your primary leading focus, 
you still had a huge impact on it. So, yeah. I mean, so for, for people out there who aren't, you know, gung-ho environmentalists, there's still a lot of really good reasons to do better things. Not, not a hippie like Travis is Jake. Not, like not, the- I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm probably way crunchier than Travis is. Oh, but, uh- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I got, yeah. That podcast, listen, to those guys was pretty funny, but uh, <laughs> I, I told Travis, I think he's an adequate hippie, right? And, 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 he's I an get, adequate hippie. and my wife called me a hippie uh, whenever we were building our, adding on our addition, because I'm out there in sandals working. <laughs> Carpenter, Matt, I'm like, why? She's like, cause you're wearing sandals. Cause I, I mean, I, I was one of those kids that love being barefoot. Like I, shoe, shoes are prison, right. For your feet. And, um, I'm now I don't do that here at this job site because obviously I, like we tell the kids, you got to have shoes on. Cause I don't want somebody to bust a toe or lose a toe, but, uh, yeah, you know, at my own, own house projects, you know, crawling around in sandals, which isn't smart when you're getting up on down ladders. So anybody listen to that, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) It's not smart, but, uh, yeah, no, that it was, and I'm the same kind of same way, you know, it's, uh, I love the environmental helping out the environment and things like that. But that at the beginning of it all, wasn't my driving force. And, Sure. Even today isn't my driving force, but I love that that's one of the benefits. So, and personally, you know, once you kind of get to know what the building, the pretty good house is, you start to realize it's like, well, really, this kind of should be like the minimum of what we should be building. I mean, amen. Like, because it, it's so simple. Like, it is so simple. Like, it's but really just thoughtful right like it's yeah. literally just being thoughtful and, and, and a lot the of end. it may come down yeah a lot of it may just come down to a few extra cases of caulking in tape or maybe like special membrane like it, it's not yeah you can go crazy don't get me wrong like well and in some places it, you have to go an extra level yeah especially not, cold level, colder i would say insulation yeah. is expensive fast well, and so there are certain areas that you have to do different things. In the Northeast, we have to do more insulation. You just should, right? It's just yeah. a thing. You just should. You know, in the hot and humid areas, they just should do dehumidification. They just should, right? Like, so there, you know, there are some of those say they should still, they should air seal and put in a dehumidifier, right? That might be the best pretty good house they've built because they've cut out the infiltration from the exterior and they've cut out the moisture, which is killing their building, right? So there's, you know, you're right. It's just. Once you learn it and figure it out, it's silly that. It's, yeah, it, it's just, it's silly. Like why, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you like everything in for us? And I didn't do any price comparisons and I know I get the luxury of free um, labor and we are been fortunate enough to partner up with people to get discounts on products and stuff. But at the same time, we're also in a market where, so this 1600 square foot house, you go drop it in say suburbs of Indianapolis, which is three hours from us, it's half a million dollars. Well, you park it right in the neighborhood where I'm at, we'll be thrilled if it hits 180. And to build it, even with all the free labor and discounts or this and that, it still cost us, just under a hundred dollars a square foot. And that's just cause it's what it costs. Like, 
I mean, right. we, you couldn't build it now if we took it out to the lake where we live or even in the neighborhood I live in, in that, that area, then it'd be bumping up above the 200s and stuff. But, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where people are like, oh, you know, we were putting zip on it. And, and now when we first started putting, when we put zip on the outside, we use zip R. Um, you're like, oh, yeah, it's using that fancy stuff. You don't have to use house wrap. Well, shoot, now every single thing that gets built, addition, whatever under is everybody's using zip panels, you know, because once you realize, oh man, all you have to use, no, 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 I'm not hitting hard on um, house wrap or anything. I mean, you can do, I may not be the best, use it as an air barrier, but if you sealed behind it and covered for, you know, water. I mean, it actually is a great air barrier. If it's used in the right application, with the right tools with it, it can be, it can be great. Right. Yeah. And that's, and, and yeah, they thought you were using fancy stuff until they realized, well, now granted, again, you have the, the luxury of free labor as you call it, although it's not exactly free because it takes you twice as long to do everything yeah. and you repeat yeah. yourself a lot. Right. Yeah, you can, so. you can, yeah. If you want my kids to show up and start building for you. Have at it. <laughs> right. <laughs> But at the same time, you know, once they start realizing that it's it's not another trip around the house, putting something up over something else that they've done and that, you know, immediately after it goes up, it's weathered in, you know, you, you tape the seams and you've got a good air barrier, you know, like there are so many. So, yeah, it seems fancy. But then when you start adding up what you save from using it or doing it, all of a sudden it becomes a lot more cost effective. Right. And I think that's why you saw a lot of people adopting it. Right. So I forget what, I forget when I was talking to Travis or whatever, but like, it felt like it wasn't that long ago that you guys weren't using the zip system at all. Right. In the Midwest, it just was like, it wasn't a thing for you guys. And then all of a sudden it was like, boom. And now everyone's using it because it caught on and it was a good, it was a good system for, for them. Yeah. Then the only well, thing I oh, worry yeah. about is people not doing that, right? Like not taping it. Yeah. You, you, you still have to tape the seams. Like, unfortunately it is an OSB product, right? So you kind of have to control the water and where it goes. And so, so that's the only thing that I worry about is when a new product hits the market is whose responsibility is it for people to then know what they're supposed to use with that product? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's, that's one of those things too, where, if you're starting off in this, a educating yourself, talking to those manufacturers, or working with somebody that already knows, you know, figure that out yeah. for you. So, but yeah, it's. I mean, it was it, it getting into it, and thank goodness, I I guess I could say I came across Jake and Steve's stuff right at the very beginning, and thank you to those guys for letting me be like the tag along little brother. Actually, all of you guys. I mean being on you know on here with you emily twice now and uh well heck getting to be on the um wall assembly as a judge with you guys i was just like whoo boy i feel a little a little out of i felt like the freshman on varsity but uh i mean everybody's been great and man did i learn so much and but you wouldn't have to be in my position to learn any of the stuff i learned like by knowing and the thing is if you're a builder getting into this you're going to probably learn it faster than i did because I'm turning over a house every, let's say one to two years. You, you know, a normal builder, I mean, you may be knocking a couple out a year depending on sizes and whatnot. I mean, so you, you, your chances to refine things, 
you know, I got to wait a whole, you know, year and a half to two years to, oh, I have this great idea. We should do this. We can do this better. Well, I have to write that down because I will forget in two years time to say, okay, you know, I, I literally have a thing on my phone, a notepad says things we're going to do on the next house. Like, and it's, you know, everything I see on Instagram. Oh yeah. 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 All right. I saved the post tips and tricks. I'm going to go through, I have to watch all this stuff again, you know, um, cause you know, people building, you know, so like Travis and these guys who've gotten into this, you know, they, they can refine, start refining right, right away. Every remodel project, every house build, whatever, you know, for me, it takes longer to refine, but the good thing is everybody's sharing all this stuff. So I can be like, Oh, Jake did that. Travis did this, you know, Doug's over there doing this, you know, Nate's in Tennessee doing that, Wh whatever, all these guys, you know, people I've gotten to meet and know. And so I get to pick up all that stuff and, you know, use it and anybody else can too. It's not, you know, it's not just us. Like you just hit follow on Instagram and boom, you're connected, right? It's whether you talk or engage with anybody at all, it doesn't matter. You're going to get all the information. So that was, that, that's, uh, that's one thing I'm really excited about with the next house is, you know, I already know controlling that construction moisture and stuff is going to be a huge thing. Uh, you know, I've already, you know, like I said, working with somebody better, um, doing this, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, watching Joel talk about, you know, offsets and stuff with you having that, cause we'll probably use another R, um, zip system. And, you know, it's like thinking about things like that. And those guys have already thought about and showed it to us. And it's just like, yes, this is awesome. And everybody should be building pretty good house as their starting point. It is not hard. It is, I'm going to argue and say it's not even that much more expensive. Actually, it can't be that much more expensive because you're building a better product. It's just, it's better. And it's, it's simple. It's easy. If my high school kids can do it, anybody, and, and not only can my high school kids do it, we're doing it here in the middle of rural Midwest. Like we don't, you know, there, there's product, you know, like you said, there, you know, you guys have plethora of wood accessible to you guys. We do not like it's so, but you know, okay. Then we can get, you know, Huber products or like even, you know, wood uh, fiber uh, insulation is becoming more, um, you know, available in places and stuff. So we could even change from that insulation to a different exterior type. If you, you know, if, if that follows, you know, your line of budget and or goals and stuff. So I think it's one of those things where, you know, a lot of you guys have said this before, you know, on your podcast, what's happened in the last five years has been probably 10 times as much that happened in the 50 years before, you know, it's moving fast. And I, I would say even just from the time starting two years to now, it's just like, just, I don't know, almost, it can almost be mind blowing and almost be overwhelming, but uh, just, I think if you learn those basic physics things, think about that. It's not that scary anymore and you can do it. <laughs> I agree. I do a little community project where the homeowners build it in a similar situation. They have a project manager, sort of like you're in charge of the students. He's in, in, in charge of helping the homeowners, you know, figure out how to build it. And, you know, if they can build super tight, insulated, uh, you know, they're running their own dense packed machine, right? Like if it, 
if they can do it in our climate zone, anybody can do it anywhere. You know, it doesn't, you know, people are like, oh, it's always so they hear, you know, green design, they think expensive, right? Well, but what's the longevity? What's your health worth to you? You know, what, what are, what are those things? And then, you know, builders here building science and they think, oh, that's super complicated. Well, it doesn't have to be complicated. It can be easy. What do you know how to do? How can I transition what we're doing so that you only have to learn five new things instead of everything seeming like it's new. And then you're like, I don't want to do any of that. Right. So it's, there's so many ways to build. And I say, it depends a lot because it does depend there are 50 different ways to do something. What do you know how to do? Do you understand how these things go together? Let's understand it as a team. Let's bring the whole team in. Everybody's going to see it. And so I agree. Pretty good house should be the baseline standard. Everybody should be should be more than capable of achieving it. You know, the zip R system, it's, it can be a perfect air barrier and it's not rocket science. You put it up just like you put up regular sheathing and then you tape all the seams, right? Get longer and, nails. That's all it takes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so, um, I think it's just for us a matter of saying, look, technology has changed. Our materials have changed here's how you do it to build a better durable structure. Because realistically speaking, that's what we all want. Nobody wants a callback because something didn't work right. So it's actually, I would venture to say a little bit more risky to build and not understand it. So agreed. Agreed. Well, it was awesome having you on today. I really appreciate it. I want to hear the beginning and end of every project that you build because you have willingly shared with us some of the pitfalls that you ran into, which people don't always talk about and the things that you would do different, the things that you did well, the things that were hard for the students. And those are great to hear, right? Because it's hard for everybody. It's a little secret, right? It's hard for everybody the first time you do it. After you do it one time and you're like, oh, okay, I got it now. It gets easier every single time. And right, it's hardest for you because like you said, you build one house every two years. And every time you do it, you do it with a whole new group of students. (laughs) So none of them have any of the things that they should have remembered from the last time. You know, it should, should in theory be easier for every group of people as like, once I've drawn it, once I've seen it built, once I've gone out and done it, I know how easy it was. I can either transform it to make it better. Or I say, Hey, this was great. This is what we did and bring that to the next the next group, you know, and a builder, once they've built it once can say yes or no thumbs up, thumbs down, create a system and, and, and do that. So I, I appreciate you taking the time and, and talking about doing this with your students, because it's always awesome to hear. I I love it. Uh, Someday I'll make it out to see one of your projects. Heck who knows, maybe we we can get you to be one of the the architect for one of the uh, upcoming projects or something. Well, that would be fun. Put your stamp in Illinois here and stuff. Thanks for tuning in for season three of the podcast. If you want more information on the guests, check out the show notes. If you want to contact me with a question, a comment, or a suggestion for the show, reach out emily at matramarch.com. You can find me on Instagram, matramarch, or on LinkedIn, Emily Matram. And you can find me on Thursday nights at the BS and Beer Show. So come join us live one week. Until then, stay nerdy.